Like the ending of a good movie, the last week of our At The Movies series is always a little sad. But just like Netflix, if you missed any of the weeks, when we talked about, we talked about Endgame, talked about Captain Marvel, talked about Toy Story 4, if you missed any of that, all of those messages are up online, on our website, uh, through our app, or through our podcast. You can always catch up on all of those. But today, it's The Lion King. One of the last big ones. Now, in case you, you, weren't, um, you haven't been following this summer, that, so this summer, Disney re-released, they, they released a live-action remake of their animated classic. And well, it's not really live-action, it's all CGI. There's actually only, did you know that there was only one scene in the entire movie that was shot live? It was the, su the sunset or sunrise at the very beginning of the movie. The rest of it, it's all CGI. Uh, but it is mind-blowing CGI. It is arguably some of the best that has ever been produced. Um, and it, it is remarkable in that sense. Well, Disney got a lot of criticism for this movie, a lot of flack. Okay? Because, well, let's face it, the original is a classic. The songs, the story, the drama, the voice actors, all amazing, all so good. And like, come on, who hasn't wanted to like, grab their newborn or their niece or their nephew and be like, come on. You know you've wanted to. It is just iconic. And, and it still stands as one of Disney's highest grossing animations, The Lion King. And it still stands up even 15 years later. Well, so this, this version, this version seemed completely unnecessary. And quite frankly, it was. But I'll admit, I loved it. I absolutely adored the movie. So first of all, I love animals. I, the first job I ever wanted to be as a kid was a vet. I grew up around animals and pets and loved going to zoos and sea worlds. And I, so I love animals. And what was fascinating about this movie versus the cartoon is I connected more with these animals because they weren't cartoon characters. They were real animals, and they were, they were designed and drawn and CGI'd to act like real animals. They just happened to talk a little bit and sing a little bit. But this movie, this movie was played much more for the drama of the story than the humor. Uh, it, it, was, it was a little darker at times. Even the songs seemed to take a second place to the drama and the narrative. Now, yes. It was a shameless money-grabbing ploy from Disney, but it was still awesome, at least in my opinion. So let's, let's watch the trailer. In case you've been living in a cave for the last 15 years, here's the basic plot of Lion King. So King Mufasa has a cub, Simba, who's next in line to become the leader of the Pride Lands. Now, he also has an evil brother, Scar, who wants to take over the throne. So he kills Mufasa and makes Simba think that Simba caused his father's death. And he runs away. And he runs away to a life of no worries. Hakuna Matata. No worries. And then he grows. And then there's a critical moment in the story where Simba is called by, by the baboon Rafiki to remember he is reminded by the spirit of his late father 
he is reminded of who he is. And, and we all, probably all of us know the scene. Simba, remember who you are. That's my best, James Earl Jones. That and Luke, I am your father. Yes, Darth Vader and Mufasa were the same guy. James Earl Jones, okay? I'm so glad to see he was in this one as well. Excellent, okay? So, so, so Simba has this newfound confidence and belief and he, he returns back to the Pride Lands, which has been decimated by his uncle Scar and his army of hyenas. He comes back, defeats Scar, takes back his, his rightful place on Pride Rock, and then life over time returns back to the Pride Lands. The animals return and they flourish, happily ever after. Well, Simba's turning point, that really is the narrative peak of the story. It's the point of greatest tension. It's the point where the story shifts. And I think it resonates. Part of what this, why this movie resonates with so many of us is because we've all wondered about our identity. We all ask the questions of, who am I? We're afraid that we, we'll never live up to our parents' expectations. Or all of us at one time or another have wished we could live a kuna batata life. We just forget all the worries and just live no worries. We've all wanted that at one time or another. And see, all of these themes are all wrapped up around one question that's all throughout this movie. And it's implied and hinted at and talked indirectly about. And it's this. What is the greatest thing in my life? Simba asks that question. He struggles with that very question. And for a long time, as, as a cub, it was, I'm going to be king. And he's going to be a great king. He gets his own, own song about how great of a king he's going to be. But he is so full of himself. But that is the greatest thing in his life. And then he runs away. He thinks he killed his dad. He runs away and then lives no worries. Timon, Pumbaa, eating grubs. Ooh, slimy yet satisfying. Okay? All of that. No worries. That's the greatest thing in his life. And then this turning point challenges this belief. It challenges what he has been running away from and reminds him of the responsibility of a true king. Reminds him of his family legacy. Reminds him of his responsibility. And reminds him fundamentally that he had gotten this question wrong. What's the greatest thing in my life? Was not a kuna matata life. It was the responsibility he had to the whole pride lands. And that's that, and from the moment he changed his answer to this question, his future changed. The future of his land changed. And see, that's a question we all struggle with. It's a question every one of us answers, whether we're aware of it or not. We all have something greatest in our life. Sometimes we make a good decision, we make the right decision, the right answer to that question, and it leads to blessing and healthy relationships, great marriages and kids, and, and great blessings from God. And sometimes we answer that question wrong. 
and it leads to bad decisions and heartache and pain among you and your family. How we answer this question directly results in how God relates with us. But most of the time, we kind of live in a tension between those two of the right decisions and the wrong decisions. So what is the most important thing in your life right now? And it changes over time. That's totally normal. But think about that for a second. I want you to rattle through your brains. What's the most important thing? What is driving you today at this stage in your life? Maybe it's family, faith, career, popularity, a good name, saving face, fun, comfort. What is it for you? What is it? Now, like, I'm really glad we don't have to answer this question by ourselves. We are not left kind of plopped on this earth to figure this out on our own. Just like Simba had the spirit of his late father, Mufasa, to guide him, we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit to guide us. And thank God that God has given us the scriptures, the Bible, to help us answer this question, because the Bible is full of people wrestling with this very question. And we read stories about how people get it right. And we read stories about how they get it wrong. But the Bible is full of stories that talk about this question. Now, we're going to look at one of them. We're going to look at, there are a couple stories that actually were inspiration to that famous scene. And if you can picture it in your head, and if you have kids, you've probably watched The Lion King like 102 times yesterday, just yesterday. But you can picture that scene in your head. That scene was actually taken directly right out of Scripture as inspiration. And there were two moments in the New Testament that inspired that scene. We're going to talk about one of them. Okay? Uh, and this, this, this moment, this scene we're going to talk about today is commonly called the transfiguration. Now, sound a little strange? Okay, that's okay. Okay, that's okay. We're going to talk through it today, but this thing that's commonly called the transfiguration. But it helps us answer this question. What's the greatest thing in my life? Now, I will say this, okay? That question, what's the greatest thing in my life? That sounds like a really, real church question right there. Because y'all are thinking, I think I know what the answer is supposed to be in this. It's kind of like the kid, their Sunday school teacher asks him, what's white, fluffy with big ears and a cotton tail? And then he goes, well, that sure sounds like a bunny rabbit, but it's church, so I'm going to go with Jesus. That's, that's kind of what it feels like, doesn't it? That this kind of says, well, Jesus, that's what you say in church. Okay? But stick with me. It's a lot bigger and it's a lot more nuanced than Jesus, the white, fluffy rabbit. So the story we're going to look at is actually mentioned in three of the four Gospels, this transfiguration. It's so significant, three of the four Gospels tell the story. We're going to look at the one in Luke. So in Luke 9, uh, and we're going to read this first. We're going to read the whole thing first, and then I'm going to talk about it after. So here we go. 
About day, eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which was about to bring, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. Now, this scene has a lot to it. So I thought I'd summarize it first. We're just going to summarize this now. And if you'll permit me, if you'll permit me a little bit of humor as I talk about a really theologically deep moment in Jesus' life, here is how I would summarize it. Jesus is the goat. Now, some of you are really confused. You're like, well, okay, I know Jesus is the lamb. Is that the same thing? No, it's not. Okay? And for those of you who chuckled at this, you, you know what this means. So GOAT is an acronym that's thrown around sports fans, and it stands for the greatest of all time. And among, um, among sports fans, there's all kinds of debate and arguments about who is the GOAT. So here are a few. There's Jordan, there's Muhammad Ali, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Phelps. Yeah, these, are all, these are all GOATs, the greatest of all time in their given sport. Now, I know there's the, the whole Jordan, LeBron, Kobe debate, but come on, it's Jordan, okay? End of discussion. So, Jesus is the goat. Now, this passage, while I'm not sure they knew what the goat meant, talks all about it. All of these Old, Tef Old Testament references and, and moments that attest to one single thing, that Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time. So let me walk you through some of these that we see here. So first, the passage starts off, this transfiguration passage, starts off with, with Peter, or sorry, with Jesus taking some of his disciples up a mountain to pray. Jesus often went up to the mountain to pray, he didn't often take some of his disciples. And these were his three closest disciples that he took. The three he was really mentoring, Peter, John, and James. Okay? Jesus was praying, and his disciples fell asleep. Then when they woke up, they saw something amazing. And that's what I love about the picture here, this transfiguration picture that I have for you, is that, that this, they, this is what they saw. They saw something mind-boggling. 
that there was Jesus standing there, bright white, just radiant. We're talking, we're talking new sneaker white. We're talking, we're talking camera flash times a thousand white. We are even talking about me on a dance floor, really, really white. That's how white we're talking about. Yeah, that is not something that you want to see. Okay? But see, that wasn't even the strangest thing in this event. Then, next to Jesus was Moses, who, by the way, had been dead for 1,500 years. And then Elijah, who had been dead for about 850 years. So let me explain what's going on here. So first, first and foremost, Jesus is showing the disciples his glory. This is how divine glory might look to human beings. And last week, if you missed our conversation about, about Toy Story 4, we talked about glorifying God, making much of God. This moment made much of Jesus. So Jesus was showing him, showing the disciples his glory. Okay? It was heavenly brilliance. And then, but here's the cool part. Here's the really cool part is the, the name Transfiguration. That's been, that's been the historical name for this event throughout the church. I actually don't think it's a great name for it. I would have named it more something like a revealing because you see, Jesus didn't change his appearance from one thing to another. He actually revealed his true self. He pulled back the curtains of his humanity to show his full divinity, to give these three disciples a picture of who Jesus really was. The olive-skinned, dark-haired man that they were used to, that was not Jesus in his true form. That was Jesus in his incarnated form. 100% man, 100% God. But that's what's so cool about this moment is for a brief moment in time on that mountaintop, Jesus pulled back the veil to his divinity and it exploded out in staggering white light. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Why those two? Well, Moses, Moses was the one who gave the law of God to the Israelites. Think the old, the, the Ten Commandments. Moses walking down with the two tablets. He drops them, has to go get more. No, he didn't do that. Okay. Comes down with the two tablets. Okay. Now just imagine maybe like 20 more tablets. That was the law. And Moses was the one who gave the law to the Israelites. Now, Elijah, Elijah was commonly known as one of the greatest prophets, particularly a prophet about end times. And in the end times, we will see glory, God, and see Jesus not as an olive-skinned, dark-haired man. We will see him like this, glowing white in his true di divine majesty. So you have Moses, you have Elijah. You have Moses, the great lawgiver, and you have Elijah, the great prophet. Easily two of the greatest from the Old Testament. These were some of their goats, and these were Jewish men. 
who grew up going to temple and hearing about these great men, and there they were. Now, in response to this miraculous vision, here's what Peter says. Master, it is good for us to be here. All right. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Oh, I love how scripture helps us out here. He did not know what he was saying. Peter got it wrong. It just might not seem obvious why he got it wrong. Sounds good. It might rain, who knows. And these, these shelters, these are, think of them as little tents. They were little portable tents that Peter wanted to set up for these three honored guests. Right? So I'm glad that the Bible helps us to know that Peter got something wrong here. So he, got, he, he was wrong in a couple ways. First, he wanted to stay there. No one sets up a tent for 15, 20 minutes. It'll take you that long to set up the tent. He wanted to stay there on the mountaintop. Secondly, he wanted to set up three tents for the three special people in his life, the three greats. Two of the greats of his people's history and the one great of his life right now, his present, his past and his present. He wanted to set up tents for all of the greats in his life. But both of these, both of those, they were the wrong approach. He got that wrong. And I'll explain that a little in a little bit. So then a cloud enveloped them. Now, any listener to this who's, who knows the Old Testament, which they would have, would know this is God. God showed up in the cloud all throughout the Old Testament. This is God. That's why they, they kind of freaked out a little bit, because this is God. This is not just like praying to God, or, oh, God is here. No, 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 no. God's like, here, here, here. And they were scared as they walked into that cloud. And from that cloud came the voice of Mufasa. No, came the voice of God that said, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Now, let's go back to my premise that Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time. So Peter makes two mistakes here. He makes two mistakes. First, he saw Jesus as one among greats. One among greats. Jesus, Moses, Elijah, let's set up tents for all of you. You are all greats in my life. And, but Jesus, but God said out loud, not just in their heads, out loud, that Jesus was his chosen son. And that is a title used of nobody else throughout all of Scripture. Jesus is the only one who gets that title. He is the only one chosen. Because Jesus was the culmination of the whole Old Testament. He was the culmination. In fact, the Bible often calls the Old Testament the Law and the Prophets. Jesus was not one great among three greats. He was the goat. He was the greatest. Because he fulfilled what Moses and Elijah started. He was the great lawgiver. He was the great prophet. All in one, Jesus. Jesus was the greatest. That was, so that's one way P 
Peter got it wrong. The second way that Peter got it wrong was that he wanted to listen to all of them. Hey, let's set up tents, let's talk, let's chat, let's cook s'mores, let's hang out. You've been dead 1,500 years, you've been dead 850 years, I want to hear from you. But God said, listen to Jesus. He is my chosen son. Listen to him. And if that wasn't enough, the other two vanished with only Jesus standing there. Now, to our 21st century eyes, this seems pretty obvious. Like, this seems pretty obvious. Now, surely we would never make the same mistake of placing Jesus as one great among other greats in our life. And, and surely we would never make the mistake of listening to other voices equal to Jesus or even placing other voices ahead of Jesus. Thank goodness, because that's way too obvious. We would never do something like that. Of course we would. <laughs> we do that all the time. We do that all the time. We make the same mistakes Peter did. We place all kinds of things on par with Jesus, or even ahead of Jesus. I don't want to listen to Jesus. I'm going to listen to my culture, my family, my popularity, even my comfort. We have other goats in our life. We might have a few goats. These are the greatest, and Jesus is just one of them. Jesus is my greatest on Sunday, but he, he gets bumped down the draft a few notches Monday through Saturday. But Sunday, he's the goat. We do that all the time. It could be your job, your money, your possessions, your reputation. All are the, these are all things that we place above Jesus. Now, not sure? Not sure as you're thinking, be like, no, man, what do I place above Jesus? I don't know. You know, there's a really easy way to find out. Who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? That's why God said, listen to him. Because the reality is, we follow who we listen to. Who are the voices that drive you? Who are the voices that are loudest in your head? Is it what you learned from your family of origin? And you're still living out those voices of your parents, your grandparents? Is it your culture, saving face, having a good reputation? Is it the money? Because when you have money, you have comfort, you have power, you have significance. What, it, what do you listen to? That one's a lot easier. It can even be as simple as who are the podcasts you listen to? Who are the books you listen to? Who are the songs you listen to? Who are the speakers you listen to? You follow who you listen to. And I absolutely believe that's why God said, listen to Jesus. And you can almost hear him say, 
listen to Jesus alone. These other two greats in your life, they're not the GOAT. They are not the greatest of all time. That title belongs to one, and that is Jesus in your life. That greatest is reserved solely for Jesus Christ. So if you remember back to the movie, Simba, Simba had the spirit of his father, his late father, to guide him, you know, in the sky, he comes out of the clouds, Simba. And his father guides him, redirects him when, he's, when he was off track. And his father helped him see what was truly great. It was the responsibility of a lion king to care for his land and the animals who were under his care, his responsibility. For him, for the Lion King, or the Lion Cub, that was what was greatest. Likewise, likewise, believers have the Spirit of God inside us to help us keep Jesus as the greatest. Because everything in this world will argue against it. And many things in our families, our current families and our families of origin, will draw our hearts away, will put up other greatests in our life. Our lives are bombarded by messages that keep other things as the greatest. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. You do not have to pray for that. That is the seal on you from God that you, belong, you believe in Jesus, you belong to him. And that the Holy Spirit can help you, reset you each morning, each afternoon, each evening to place Jesus as the greatest in your life. So don't make the mistake Simba did. Don't make the mistake Simba did. He took a life of comfort what we can do. We can take a life of comfort over a life of Christ. We can prioritize selfishness over a savior. We can embrace a lesser motto instead of the greatest model. Jesus Christ is the goat. And when we place anything else above him, we are no longer living our purpose. We are no longer living God's desire for us and his design for us. So say no to the lesser greats in your life. And say yes to the one true goat, the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Father God, you are the greatest. And time, there are moments where we recognize that and we see that clearly. Thank you, Lord, for those moments. And there are moments 
where we ignore that truth. We deny that truth. We let the worries and thoughts and values of, of this world cloud our vision, and we no longer see you as our greatest. Lord, help us be a church where you are, you are our greatest. Help me be a pastor where you are my greatest. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who can continually, day in and day out, recenter our hearts toward you. To make you the greatest in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. So, God, we praise you we worship, we sing to you because you are the greatest. Thank you, and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and the greatest of all time.